Hello there. Welcome to a special episode of the This Is Lit podcast, where we will be discussing all things literature. However, today is an exception because we're actually talking about a film. But anyway, let's ignore that inconsistency. Joining me today is the wonderful Prue Baker. How are you going, Prue? Pretty well. And I would probably argue that uh, film is literature. (laughs) No, maybe not. I don't know, but you study film in lit, don't you? So You do, actually, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Could be wrong. Happy happy to be wrong about that. Mm. Well, I think that, yeah, no, I think a a piece such as this, I think it's definitely like a, a form of literature. So I would definitely say that we are still studying lit i don't know this is lit. let me actually look up a definition of literature i probably should have done this before <laughs> like before the podcast that uh it's it's a live yeah. googling i love yeah. it i love live well, googling yeah so actually so my live google search has revealed um that <laughs> oh, it is a noun <laughs> it refers to written works especially those um, considered of a, of a superior or lasting artistic merit all so right, it does you know have what, to Google? be written, I believe. Nah, you know what, Google? You're wrong. I'm just going to go in <laughs> yeah. and change change the definition. It's fine. All right. But <laughs> if we if we want to – but, like, the play was written. I mean, not play. Mm. The film – the film script is a written work, so – Oh, this is interesting, actually. Wikipedia's got a different one. So Wikipedia, which is, again, another very reliable source, guys. Please, mm, check Wikipedia for all of your research. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> reference it in your – and then don't your... – when you use it for your assignments and stuff, just copy mm. straight off it because yeah. that'll get you an A+. Plus. Exactly. Like Definitely do that, do that when you go to uni. Yeah, do that when you go to uni. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so according to Wikipedia, right, literature broadly is any collection of written or oral work but is more commonly Ooh. and narrowly refers to writing, specifically considered to be an art form, especially prose, fiction, drama, and poetry. Ooh. Drama. Mm. Still not seeing movies pop up, though, so I feel like my first assertion was correct, but, yeah. Look at you using the word assertion. It's so fancy. <laughs> well, we are, <laughs> I, you know. I was super impressed with that, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> well anyway. <laughs> anyway, so um, over the school holidays, we decided that it would be a really fun idea to do a bit of a holiday season special, much like a lot of TV shows will do Christmas specials and that sort of thing. We were all like, yep. Um, we're all stuck in lockdown in Melbourne still. We can't really do anything anyway. And VCE exams are pretty close for us in Victoria. So we were like, yep, let's do a special episode of one of the VCE texts, the phenomenal Hitchcock film, Rear Window. Um, yeah, exciting. <laughs> uh, it's, it turns out, though, that like we actually did end up being a little bit busy doing nothing on the holidays. Um, so it's actually it's actually week two of term four. It's no longer officially like a holiday special, um, but we've already like had the graphic made and we had our hearts set on calling it a holiday season special. So yeah, here yeah, we, we are. Yeah, we could just say it's like an early so holiday just, season special. Yeah, yeah. sure. Just October, yeah. guys. Yeah, humorous. Yeah. Humorous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, um, basically we wanted to give you guys a little something extra to help you revise for the upcoming English exam if this is one of the texts that you need to write on. Um, or if you're just a fan of Rear Window, hopefully, yeah, it will still be uh, fun to listen to. But, yeah, we're basically going to do a bit of an, an overview where we discuss some of the key questions based around, like, context, themes, film techniques, symbolism, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, Prue and Sean, do you have anything to add before we get stuck into our questions? Well, I'm 
might just cut in here. Um, did we want to have like a quick rundown of like the or like a summary oh. of Rear Window before we get into it? I don't mind. I've got one in front of me. Like, <laughs> is this also just going to be ripped from Google? <laughs> no, this is a quick Google that I've done. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, no, that makes perfect sense. Let's do a little yeah. plot summary just for anyone that so has only welcome. watched the movie once or yeah. doesn't remember it. Yeah. Um. So, old mate Google has popped up with a very um. A uh, very, very su- succinct um, summary, and it just says the story. So the film is a story of a recuperating news photographer who believes he has witnessed a murder. <gasps> Confined to a wheelchair after an accident, he spends his time watching the occupants of of a neighbouring apartment block through a telephoto lens. I've never heard it called that. Um, pretty Thank much you. binoculars. No, never. Um, binoculars and a and a camera lens. Um, and becomes. Convic- convinced that a murder has taken place and he gets like really obsessed over it. Mm. What was yeah. that first word? Recuperating. recuperating. Uh, yeah, the story of a recuperating news photographer. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's, Don't yeah, mind that. Yeah. I like yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Guys, use that one in your intros. Yes. Yeah. No one will know it's from Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't. No. Um, another, another one that's popped up as well, like on Rotten Tomatoes, and this one's like easy, uh, is professional photographer Jeff um, or Jeffries, LB Jeffries, is stuck in his apartment recuperating. Oh, there's that word again. <laughs> from a broken leg. Out of boredom, he begins to spy on his neighbors and comes across a shocking revelation. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, much suspense. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, yeah. Hopefully you're already pretty familiar with the movie itself. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about context to start with. Um, So my question to you guys is, how is the social context of McCarthyism reflected in Rear Window? Proton. All right, I'll take it. I'll start <laughs> the show then. Yeah. Shall I? yeah, you start okay. the show. You're the you're the you're the opener. Show right? starter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Um. Okay. Uh, so I wrote this note so long ago, so hopefully I can kind of seem <laughs> fluent when I when I talk about this. Yeah, but it's good that you just told everybody that too. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm being up for <laughs> being honest, you know. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Should we talk about like what McCarthyism is? Yeah, yes. why, not? why not? Yeah, I feel like this yeah. is one of the ones that, like, my students um, kind of, like, struggle to understand just because like, yeah. I think it, yeah, it relies on, like, a bit of, like, historical knowledge, I suppose, historical which knowledge, we don't yeah. have. Yeah, yeah the history yeah. kids were good with it, but the, yeah. um, like, the history and English, but then the, the students that were just studying English had a little bit of, um, a, a bit of a hard time to grasp it. But, yeah, sorry, go through. Well, I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and tackle it. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Basically, McCarthyism is this era in uh, in America, American history, post-war, post-World War II era, where there's like the fear of communism was rife throughout society. It's named after, I can't even remember, but some political figure. Senator McCarthy. Senator McCarthy. There you go. So basically... The fear of communism is rife, as I said, and the government encouraged people to kind of... uh, for want of a better phrase, spy on their neighbours to make sure that they're not secret communists. And there were lots of different um, silly, uh, uh, like, definitions or, like, silly little things that would say, like, what how communists would act. Um, But basically they were supposed to 
spy on their neighbours or make sure that no one was a secret communist in order to protect, you know, the well-being of society. Is that correct? So yes, but basically I would say um, so, yeah. it created this kind of disconnect between people because obviously there was, you know, lots of distrust within society. People became paranoid of each other. Uh, and we see this a lot in Rear Window. So Hitchcock uses this post-war McCarthy, McCarthyism era in and we see it reflected in just this like small little apartment complex where Jeffries lives. And I guess now we'll talk about how. Or is there anything else that you wanted to add? No, no, I think you covered it really well. Mm, yeah, very succinct. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, uh, how is the social context of McCarthyism reflected in Rear Window? Jeffries is monitoring his apartment complex with either his binoculars or his camera. So he's basically looking out his window, monitoring, looking into each um, each of his neighbor's apartments. He seems like a natural observer. He does it for fun, but he also uh, does it professionally as well. So in his, we'll see in his personal life when he's recuperating, but we also see him kind of observe people in his professional life. Um, we also see it, I'm sorry, I'm going through my notes and this is really bad. Um, <laughs> the obsession that he, can't, like, I guess the paranoia that he experiences or the paranoia of like that he kind of immediately jumps to this conclusion this far-fetched conclusion that Thorwald killed his wife which I think is reminiscent of McCarthyism the fact that like you know that's reflecting that paranoia that people felt that you know people were breaking the law and um you know there's this distrust between between people between neighbors disconnect and we see all the neighbors in Jeffrey's apartment don't get along or don't have much to do with each other definitely no kind of positive relationships um, yeah very true very yeah um so and we have that you know that quote that I think everyone can kind of remember um with the woman saying no one knows how to be a neighbor anymore um I think that kind of epitomizes McCarthyism in a sense um we also see I had it in my head and now I've lost it it's too Not late enough. at night. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess with that, like, oh, we see, like, I guess we see this, um, this social, these neighbors don't interact so much that they wouldn't even kind of know if, like, so if Thorwald's wife did get murdered mm. without mm. Jeff kind of observing it and watching it, no one would notice that she yeah. was missing. Yep, yeah, and there's that, and that also be- that quote about how like um how brazen it was, like in full view of fifty windows or something yeah. like that. I think is a quote. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the, yeah, and they're like, well, well, he wouldn't commit murder with his window open, but nobody's mm. seemingly nobody's looking in or nobody's connecting with each yeah. other. So there's this huge disconnect within society, even though they live so close together, like their apartments mm. are all yeah. together. They're all like in each other's like on top of each other, but not actually interacting with each other at all. Unless creating. they're, like, obviously forced to at some points, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, cool. Anything else that you wanted to add? No, I don't. I think you've, yeah, gone into a lot of depth with that one. I've got nothing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, how dare you? I pretty much, like, have, like, the very similar, like, um, thoughts. Like, uh, obviously, like, through, you know, Jeffrey's surveillance, he has obviously, like, a very um, uh, limited like perspective and I know like Mm. and with McCarthyism and the you know with the feeling of you know um surveillance and the mood of suspicion and distrust and blah 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 
Um, it's really interesting because um, it's like Hitchcock like very masterfully gets into our heads, you know, with this, the fact that, you know, Jeffries does have a limited perspective and he kind of, you know, obviously shows to us that, oh, yes, Jeffries has a limited perspective and, yes, we're seeing everything from his point of view or his camera lens and blah, blah, blah. Um, And uh, I think that's obviously a a bigger suggestion about McCarthyism as well because, obviously, um, McCarthyism... Um, you know, that's based on, as Prue said, like the historical context of um, basically um, judging somebody or telling on somebody or reporting somebody like, you know, to the American government based on no real evidence. As long as you like mm. suspect them of wrongdoing, then that's enough evidence for, for the government. Does that make sense? And so it's really interesting yeah. that um, Hitchcock is also making that, like, I didn't realise this until much later, um, that Hitchcock, I feel like Hitchcock is making a, uh, a suggestion about, you know, uh, McCarthyism and how it's viewed and reflected in Rear Window um, through the fact that it's done in a very limited way um, and that's only through Jeffries. Like, we don't get any other a- anybody else's point of view as well and I, fa- I found that really interesting. Yeah, he, like, forces us to jump to conclusions as well. Yes, so yeah. yes. We, as we become complicit in it as well. So then we only get this, like, dribs and drabs of information uh, mm. with Jeffries, but yeah. we are forced to jump to this conclusion that Thorwell definitely killed his wife. Yes. So then, yeah. You know, yeah. we take the, the mind of of somebody in that era and being paranoid and being suspicious of our neighbours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So I definitely, that... yeah, found that. Sorry, what did you say? No, no, you go. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, and I just really found that, like, when I really um, uh, thought about, uh, you know, the, the camera lens and the limited perspective and the, you know, all, all, all avenues of uh, McCarthyism, um, I really found that Hitchcock was definitely trying to, um, you know, uh, sway his audience, persuade his audience into really thinking deeper into, like, the McCarthy era and how that um, obviously not only affects uh those around us it also affects those looking at at what's happening and also those doing the surveillance as well like there's just so many avenues that this can go down um and yeah just, it's mm. very interesting when you really step back and think about you know this film uh, like it's a very I, I believe it's a very good choice for a year 12 text because there's so much you can go into there's so much there's so much there we were mm. talking today about something about the you know would it be um you know, immoral even if we found out that this man didn't commit a crime. So then we had to, like, discuss whether, you know, this is immoral reaching or, like, invading someone's privacy even if we make sure that nobody's done anything wrong. Mm, mm, yeah. Yes. Like, is it justifiable both ways or is it just immoral, you know? Oh, yeah. so, so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think all we this, could um, we could go on. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say I think all of this flows really well into our next question, which um, is how did Hitchcock make you reflect on your own voyeuristic tendencies? All right, Em, you have a go this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> sure. I thought I got out of talking too much. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, like, I'm just the host, so I don't have to yep. say much. Yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing to add. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I I actually find this a really enjoyable movie. Um, and I th- one of the things I like about it is that we're watching a movie about people watching people. Mm. <laughs> like, I think it, 
like just kind of highlights the way in which like wanting to watch other people's lives unfold is something that's actually just like a really natural human tendency. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, like even yeah. like, you know, watching movies, watching TV shows. TV. Yeah, yep, like all that sort of stuff. It's, you know, even though it's not as, um, it doesn't seem as full on as Jeff using his binoculars and camera lens to spy on his neighbours. What are you window. talking about? That's totally keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, it it as, as my year 12 said, you know, they have their windows open and they're all their blinds open. So, you know, they're putting their lives on display for him. So who's, mm. who's at fault? Interesting. Interesting perspective. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't know. So even though, you know, it doesn't seem, I don't look at myself and be like, yeah, I'm like Jeff because I too like to spy on people. Like, I think, you know, <laughs> that, like thinking about it, um, like I'm not I'm not a creep like that or anything. But, like, if I'm out, like, do you guys ever people yeah, watch? Yeah, people watch. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As 100%. a drama teacher, as a, yep. as a, as a uh, drama teacher, absolutely I people watch. Totally. Yep. I, tell, I tell my kids to people watch to get their mannerisms, <laughs> to get their gestures. And that's super creepy. Mm. But I don't care. Um, yeah, sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, that in itself, form of voyeurism. Same as, you know, like if you are people watching, like how often do you then kind of, you know, assign them a narrative or make some certain assumptions, which like isn't necessarily okay, but like it's something I think that just like majority of people do, whether like we totally. like to admit it or not. Like, yeah, we all kind of do engage in voyeurism and like to varying um, varying degrees, or I suppose you could say. Um but, yeah, I think Hitchcock has really tried to make it seem like something that is natural that we do all partake in. And part of that is, as we've already kind of talked about, is how about is how he has, like, made us share Jeff's perspective throughout the whole movie. Absolutely. I just think it's really – I'm just going to jump in here. I just think it's really interesting because it, it made me reflect on, obviously, my own voyeuristic tendencies. And I think we're all very, like, quick to be like, oh, like, oh, I'm not like this and I'm not like that, mm. that, but, like, yes, I do people watch and blah, 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 and, yes, it's a natural thing. Um, but it's so interesting because I think that Hitchcock is saying something, like, bigger than that to all of us. And, like, I think the point that I'm trying to make here is that I think that <clears throat> it kind of made me reflect on my own voyeuristic tendencies and how I people watch. Um, it's and, and this is a really roundabout point, and I'm sorry this is going to take ages, but I think it's because I... I think that we treat others as objects of our subjectivity. Like when they're, yeah, 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 yeah. See? Love that. They're they're for us, but we're not for them. Mm. Just like Jeff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the. So deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're all welcome. No, (laughs) no, no. no. And so I was thinking about this because I was like, yes, absolutely. Like, you know, if I'm. Because I live in an apartment block. Um, if I'm out on my balcony and I see somebody like running past or walking past, you know, you, you people watch. You watch what they're doing. They are subjects of your um, th- sorry. They are objects of your subjectivity. You're watching them. You're watching them go past. And then I just yeah. think it's really interesting as well because, um, and I just want to present this to you guys as well. When we first get into the film, do you guys remember the very first thing that happens in the movie? Like, what's the very first thing that we see? The um, the, the, exactly. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So my question here, and this is really, really, really like far-fetched and I, I am totally aware of that. Um, we see the curtains rising, yeah? So my question to you is how are the blinds going up? 
Oh, like who's doing it? Who's doing it? Yeah. So think Is about it, like. Mm. So I'm just Jeff can't. Jeff yeah. can't I, do I it. Just, so who's doing I, it? I feel like it's just like them welcoming welcoming us to the show. Hmm. You reckon? Uh, who? Why? Who do you think is doing it? Okay, so I think personally, Hitchcock. and like I think it's Hitchcock. Okay, and I've I've got a couple of points. So I think it's a very innocent, you know, very innocent thing. You know, oh yes, it's curtains rising at, at the show, and oh yes, we're we're going to see this, and like it's obviously, but that's obviously not possible for you know a normal blind to just rise up on its own. It's the first sort of convention being introduced to us as the convention of theatre. Which is, I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm getting all drama teacher on you. Um, <laughs> suggesting again that we are not just like present at the these events that are being shown to us, or we're not just Jeffries. Is that somebody is showing us this, and that person is Hitchcock, and that is the very first um, thing that I thought about because I was like, no, 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 that's that has to, there has to be something more than that. This whole showing of like the curtains rising has a point. Sometimes, you know, that point is to um uh, make us laugh or make us you know cry or whatever um but at some point you know directors film directors stage directors that whole point is to illuminate something about you know the human existence or the human condition and my students know that I talk about the human condition a lot because the human condition (laughs) is you know to watch other people to look at other people and um I think like a director especially when you think about a film director um wants to wants us to like look inside uh, like ourselves and then really think about you know they're for us but we're not for them we're all for show and that's what I got from it so mic drop Done. No? I'm gonna end the recording now because that was <laughs> that was no, great. No. That's all you need, guys. <laughs> but does that make sense, though? Or yeah, just... okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> that was like I don't know what I'm saying. Does um, he? Yeah, think just... that, does he want us to reflect on that and reflect on the hypocritical nature of that and how then like the whole thing is immoral and that we shouldn't really be doing it, absolutely. even though it's absolutely. seemingly natural to us and we absolutely. Yeah, it's a natural curiosity to kind of know how people live and. Yeah, um, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. That's what I think anyway. Like he wants Hitchcock from the get-go is showing us something. This is something that's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's just what I got from it. He's showing us this magical, you know, amazing, you know, uh, very old film that or at the time um, he was like, oh, look at my new amazing film that uses a, a dolly shot or a crane shot or whatever it is. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I just think that I don't know, he's a genius. I just think he's a bloody genius. And I think, you know, there's a reason why we're still studying his films in 2020 and that's because we can, you know, just from one thing of, like, talking about these blinds going up, like, we can probably get a whole bloody essay out of that. <laughs> Legit, though. It's, yeah. yeah, it's so well thought out. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I don't know, it's so good. Anyway, I'll stop mm. talking. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, that was good. It's good show. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I have nothing to add because I feel like I'm just going to sound nearly dumb. No. <laughs> Actually, no, I've already spoken about this one. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm done. I've done my part. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on then. I'm going to have a bit of a chat about some film techniques now. Um, I don't know. For, like for our students at our school, we refer to like CAMELS as um, an acronym to understand or, or to remember different film techniques so that we've got like camera angles, no, camera shots, angles, mise-en-scene, um, editing, lighting and sound. So, we, um, yeah. Nice. We're going to talk about camera shots and angles. 
So these are arguably the most important filmic techniques that Hitchcock uses. How are they used to convey Hitchcock's overall message in Rear Window? Go, guys, go. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a team's call or something. Everyone, <laughs> I, I, I just want to. Have you guys ever no, seen um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yeah, like, he calls yeah. us like Bueller, Bueller, <laughs> Bueller. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like we've already touched on it um, for, for camera shots and angles, but obviously mm. we've discussed. Um, uh, you know, the fact that Jeffries has a very limited point of view, and that point of view shot does show that. Um, his very limited uh, perspective and that's done, I believe, and I think you guys agree, like, um, you know, it's done in a very uh, purposeful way, like meaningful way. Like mm. um, Hitchcock has, has made us to, uh, sorry, made us become Jeffries um, at some points in mm. the film. And that is again to obviously um, add on to Prue's point before about, you know, how um, uh, Jeffries, uh, voyeuristic tendencies like we're all sort of natural to that and we all kind of do that I suppose yeah I um yeah yeah I thought like a similar thing and also to do with like the angles used as well so like the fact that Hitchcock uses low angles when showing Jeff mm, um yeah. it kind of like really highlights how he holds power in his gaze on the neighbors so even though yeah, yeah he's, he's sitting funny. around yeah, in his pajamas yeah. he is trapped to his apartment trapped in his apartment in a wheelchair and all that sort of stuff he still has the power of um yeah of this gaze of on his neighbors um yeah yeah i've got i've got that as well like Mm. he's above most of the characters and he's looking down on them showing his Mm. control or dominance um yeah and you know he's got the knowledge of everything that's going on in the apartment complex so he has the power he has the Mm. dominance in this situation and i've also got here could also represent his inflated ego oh i like that yeah Mm. um yeah of course um you know all of this and him being on a high angle this was actually pointed out by a student of mine last year who kind of was like oh yeah but it's just because he's on one of the top floors of the apartment block that's why he's (laughs) down um no yeah (laughs) obviously being English teachers um I think yeah obviously we like to read into these things and I feel like with Hitchcock being Hitchcock most of his decisions within his movies are pretty deliberate yeah he would have made Jeff live on the top floor for a reason like they're not going to see much on the bottom floor it's not going to inspire any kind of curiosity Mm. yeah Jeff's on the top floor yeah, he's always going to be on the top floor. Hitchcock would always make him be on the top floor. So it's always purposeful. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know. Yeah. Actually, it's not even on the, top, the very top floor, is oh, he? Like because he looks up middle. at the... Yeah. yeah. In the middle. What's the okay. upper... Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. okay. I think I started that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when kids are like, oh, but miss, no, it's like this. I'm like, no, yeah. little Johnny, it's actually yeah. not. Just listen to me. <laughs> like... Listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so what about sound, guys? So um, obviously something else that's really, really important in the film that, again, Hitchcock is really purposeful with is his use of sound. So how has Hitchcock used music to set the scene for Lisa and Jeff's relationship? I love that the hint you gave, Sean, is like literally the answer. Answer, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) 
and I was like, okay, I have to find something more. It's like another. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a good hint. Oh. It is a good hint. It is a good hint. Uh, yeah. Well, but, um, I'm going to say my hint um, just so I get in first, <laughs> so I can do it for um, So I wrote, hint, think about all the times where the composer was stuck with his work and at the end he isn't. Symbolic, huh? Opposing reactions <laughs> to the music as well. Jeff hates it, Lisa loves it. So, yeah, I just found that very interesting um, when, you know, um, Lisa and Jeff, uh, Jeffries was, you know, when they were coming to blows and then uh, they were having issues with their relationship and they'd fight and they'd argue about, you know, different parts of their, um, uh, their history and different parts of the, their life periods that they're in. Um, this was always sort of reciprocated and then further symbolised in um, the musician's or the composer's work, you know, across across the uh, courtyard. And I found that so interesting when I um, just – I had a look at this and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. He's always stuck. And then obviously at the end, he, I think he throws a party or something, guys. Does he throw a party? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. Toward, like towards the end, towards he's with Miss Lonely Hearts. So, yeah, 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 yeah his yeah, music yeah. also attracts Miss Lonely Hearts. But, mm. yeah, he does but, throw a party. Yeah, he yeah I think that's a bit earlier. Mm. Oh, okay, my bad. Um, anyway, and then, you know, towards the end, I remember seeing this because obviously I've watched this movie a thousand times. Um, and he plays, I think, yeah, somebody comes over and he plays the record that he's made. Um, and he's like, oh, look at this, look at this, I did it, I did it, I did it. And that was at the end, that's at the end uh, sequences as well. Um, so kind mm. of, again, further symbolising, like, oh, everything is okay. Like, you know, we've all gotten there in the end. And then obviously we pan over to Lisa and Jeffries and, you know, they're, they're all seemingly happy we infer that they're happy because lisa's got a big smile on her face um and so does jeffrey's i yeah. think happy yeah. enough happy mm. enough I think. yeah but i think too enough. did you guys realize that the song itself is actually called lisa's theme as well um uh, i don't know if i realized that but i was told <laughs> i did not um, know that yeah so like you know even i think that was that in your powerpoint and oh yeah probably it's a pretty good powerpoint um <laughs> <laughs> God. No, but yes. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I think it's definitely like, even oh, like, I didn't even realize this like the first couple times I watched it, but like, even the lyrics, like, I think it says like literally says Lisa during um the sung part of that song too. Oh my god, cool. it does. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't even yep. realize. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think it Whoa. definitely symbolizes um like her romantic ideals and then also the development of the relationship with Jeff. And just on another mm. point, like we spoke about um, the isolation um, as part of like the social context and everything and how like they're in this community, but they're also disconnected. Um, I think it's also worth just quickly mentioning that like it is this song and the sound in general used within Rear Window that actually connects the lives of all of the neighbours. So, yep, mm. they don't have any real interest in each other. They don't pay any attention to each other. Um, but it's through that music with, um, and I guess the sounds in general that they all kind of hear that kind of waft in and out of their apartments. Um, that they they are still all kind yeah. of like linked, yeah. So I think that's something really cool. I never realized yeah. that. That was also well, in the PowerPoint. That was in the PowerPoint. So yeah, yeah clearly didn't. <laughs> Leave me alone. Stop picking on me. <laughs> we haven't yet, and I feel like we deserved that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pay attention, Sean. Oh, Appreciate it. I'm the worst. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Yes, please Um, move on. So talking about another film technique now, we're going to talk a little bit about lighting. So how has lighting been used by Hitchcock to build suspense in the film? 
This one's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like yeah. you kind of go. You, someone else go, because yeah, I have zero right. notes and I'm just going to speak off the top of my head. <laughs> I was just going to be, like, low-key lighting. <laughs> so obviously, Yeah, cool. Great work, guys. You get 60 out of 60 on yeah. your sack. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, he's utilised a lot of low-key lighting, um, particularly when we're looking at Thorwald's apartment. Um you know, he it's used to kind of portray Thorwald as an evil guy. Um, the scene that always kind of like just sticks in my mind of Thorwald is that one where like he's sitting in the dark in the apartment yeah. and we can only see the glow of the cigarette that he's oh, smoking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's when so everyone else, creepy. Mm, yeah. yeah, like everyone else has gone to see like what the lady screamed about, um, like with her dog dying during that scene. And then, yeah, they look across and they, they, the apartment's fully dark. They just see this, like, glow, like, you know, of kind of like a monster that's, like, in the dark or whatever. Mm, very and ominous. Same, yeah. yeah. And then there's a really – there's a similar still as well, which I which comes to mind of him, like, when he breaks into Jeff's apartment as well. And, like, he's, it's low-key lighting again. And the only – like, the light is reflecting oh, on, like, I think glasses? his glasses. Yeah. yeah which, again, yeah, yeah. looks like creepy, like, monster eyes, like something you'd expect to see in, like, a horror movie. Mm. Um yeah, it is, it is a horror movie though. Yeah, mm. I think it's a thriller. Think, it's a thriller. I think it's a thriller. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Hold on, let me do. Yeah. check Google. I'll check Google. Yeah, we'll do another. <laughs> how many live Googles are we gonna do? This? <laughs> Rear window genre. It is a mystery uh, thriller film. Mm. All right, not a yeah. horror. It's a Not bit a scary horror. sometimes, though. You're um, wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. Always wrong. Happy to be wrong. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, and I think, like, yeah, I guess, I guess it does kind of get progressively darker as we kind of start to believe that Thorwald is is the murderer, and he has like done this terrible thing to his his um, dead wife. wife. Oh, yeah. yeah, true. Uh, yeah, because mm-hmm. it kind of like I guess the scary bit happens, you know, at night. You know, he comes over at night, um, and he breaks into the apartment at night. And then when he's in the when he's in Jeff's apartment, it's basically like dark, except for when Jeff tries to blind him with the light, and it's like mm. really sharp and like, um, mm. yeah, confronting. But we also mm-hmm. we only get these like glimpses as well of like you know Thorwald coming closer to Jeff and. So we don't. We just get this like little bits of information when Jeff is True. using his flashlight. So that's kind of scary as well because mm. you know we're all scared of things that we don't know about. Yeah, yeah. Mm, um, fear of the unknown. Yes, love fear it. Fear of the love unknown. It, yeah, it. we know he's coming, but we don't know where he is. So it is. It's scary. Ah, uh, so yeah. smart. Why is he um, smart? Yeah. Something <laughs> else know. that I find interesting about like the use of lighting, which isn't specific to suspense. But just like I don't know, I like it. I find it interesting. Um, is I really like the way that so like with all the apartment windows, like it's obviously all dark surrounding them, and then the light comes from within, and, and it literally looks like little miniature like TV screens. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, and then like you know, is he kind of like the camera often like pans across the courtyard as he kind of like moves from like one one window or one screen to the next and it's kind of as if he's like channel surfing in a way because he's like looking across yeah. like tuning in and out of like the different um different lives I suppose of, that are kind of unfolding in front yeah. of you. That's mm. so smart. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I think I another interesting thing <laughs> and going this isn't about suspense but it is about lighting so it's mm. kind of relevant. 
is <laughs> when we get when we get introduced to Lisa mm. Hitchcock. I think plays on that. Um, I'm going to say horror, even though it's wrong. But that horror um, <laughs> trope or style when Jeff opens his eyes and Lisa is like right there and all like mm. there's I think there's something like darkness the shadows and, yeah the shadow yeah of yeah. her and like, it feels like then it's probably going to be like something scary or something yep. happening but it's actually yes. this like, beautiful woman and then she has to go around and turn all the lights on in the apartment mm. but but then yeah, Further to that, then maybe, sorry for interjecting here, but maybe, you know, yes, it's Lisa and uh, you said she was kind of like in the shadows or in the darkness and then she sort of comes into the light. She comes out and then she's like this huge face on the screen. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe because Jeffries, you know, Jeffries is pretty much afraid of marriage. Um, Oh, totally. That's why. Maybe that's That's why they've done it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's 100%. why. Because it's if like... that's what he fears, that's his biggest fear at the moment is, mm. is um, commitment to, to Lisa. To Lisa. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, saying yeah. That But how... we're, what we as the audience think, oh, there's something threatening and there's something terrible, like terrifying, mm. but it turns out to just be Lisa. And mm. that's also foreshadowed um, with yeah. how there's when we fir- the first time we actually see Lisa is in that photo that he has framed where he has a negative framed of her. Yeah, in the opening sequence, which is again him being like, "Oh, this like a very little way of being like, yep, she is negative. <laughs> Do yeah, not yeah, like yeah. Lisa Black. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Do just not gonna love string this... her along. Yeah, just gonna string her along. This yep. this very beautiful and successful woman. Yep. But lol, don't want her. Lol, nah. <laughs> she's too yeah. perfect. How yeah. could I cope? <laughs> yeah, literally. How could his How could his um masculinity cope? You know, having mm. such a <laughs> successful woman. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> that I love kind that of... point, Prue. I love that point. Sorry, keep going. No, I was going to move us along, so keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, else. no, 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 move us along. Move us oh, right along. Yeah. I was just going to say that that works in perfectly with our character question, which we're going to move to. So Jeff gives many of his neighbours monikers that can be seen as sexist and condescending. So things like Miss Torso, Miss Lonely Hearts and so on. What does this convey about Jeff as a character and also the context of the 1950s? Love it. Can I just say that I love the word Monica for, like, a nickname? <laughs> like, I love it. I'm like, kids, use it all the time. Oh, we've, like, yeah, we've discussed this, haven't we, Sean? And have we? Yeah, we have. That's Sneaky teaching. teaching. Oh, yes, yes, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a sneaky teacher. I'm a secret yep. teacher. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I suppose, I, I don't know, uh, what does this convey about it's Jeff as a there, character? Then. Yeah, true. <laughs> Damn it. No, we have to restart the episode. Um, obviously, you know, Jeff is a character. I think he's, he's an, he, I, like, I don't like Jeffries, to be honest. Like, yeah, he's, he tries to do a good thing, but also he's deeply flawed as a man. Um, so I think, you know, obviously, you know, the context of the time about, you know, Jeffries giving, you know, uh, these monikers or these nicknames, um, you know, Miss Torso, Miss Lonely Hearts. Um, all of that sort of stuff, it just conveys to me that he, you know, obviously is quite sexist and doesn't really think much of women, um, to, to, like, in my opinion. Please stop me if I am wrong. Um, because, you know, he does, he gives them these, these names um, that are obviously quite condescending and doesn't see past, you know, oh, she's got a, like, she's, she's got a really nice body. Oh, I'm going to call her Miss Torso. Oh, yep, and that's all she's good for. Miss Lonely Hearts. Oh, well, she she obviously, you know, as we find out through the film, she is quite lonely. Um, but, like, there's no – from me, for me especially, I, I infer 
that he's called Miss Lonely Hearts Miss Lonely Hearts because she is a single woman and that is all that she will amount to and that is her name now. So I will not even mm-hmm. bother to learn her name um, as a fellow apartment block neighbour and I will just call her Miss Lonely Hearts because that's all that, yeah, that's all that she, she, uh, she will amount to. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, that's what I kind of got from this question. I think I wrote this one. Um, and obviously, you know, the context of the 1950s, you know, the women were there just to cook and clean and keep a perfect house and, and serve their husbands and smile and wave. And that was it. Um, and again, you know, this links into that whole, you know, lighting thing that Prue said about, um, Lisa, like she, she absolutely, um, you know, scares the living bejesus out of Jeffries because she, yes, she's beautiful, but yes, she is also a very successful and independent woman, and that would probably scare a man like Jeffries because of all the things that she's achieved. Um, yeah, and I she think that, yeah, 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 absolutely. And she hmm. goes against, you know, those um, those uh, gender roles of the of the times of nineteen fifties, and I I believe also that Alfred Hitchcock was also. Um, showing you know showing the audience like oh you know women women are actually more capable of of what we give them credit for like ah yeah it's it's so interesting about like what he says about women um in the 1950s as well like Mm. it's just yeah I don't know it's just I just find it interesting (laughs) more capable and more complex as well as I think like first we know we see this one-dimensional aspect of these characters like Miss Lonely Hearts and Miss Torso and like we focus on those attributes whether it's Miss Lonely Hearts because she's not married and she's single or it's Miss Torso and she's the one that dances around and she's got a a good body yeah yeah, yeah. but as the film progresses and through Lisa's perspective that one-dimensional like view changes and Mm. we get a more complex view of these of these women and their struggles and their life so Miss mm. Torso turns out to be, you know, someone who is married or she does have a partner who's, you know, someone who's average. He was, a, yeah, I think he was away at the and army short, or something. Yeah, yeah, he was away at yeah. the army and she loves him. And Lisa, you know, and then Lisa provides the commentary on her as well, saying, you know, she's doing the hardest job of all juggling wolves, the mm. wolves being men. Then, you know, mm. what women have to actually do to survive in this world. Yeah. And mm. we had a discussion in class being like, well, what is she actually doing to, like, surviving and, like, is she, you know, is she earning money or is she getting money from these men or something like that? And it's like, but, you know, she, it's the lengths or it's, like, the struggles that women go through to, to, to survive in, like, a male-dominated world, especially in the 1950s mm. where the men did have all the power. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, Jeff. Totally is, yeah, he does have that, it reflects that sexism prevalent in the 1950s with his superficial traits um, that he observes. Like he applies the labels that he applies to to his neighbours, the women, and you know, yet he gives um, his male neighbour the musician, like that's his moniker. So that's mm, his, because, his yeah, career, it's, his it's profession. His... Yeah, it's profession. And it's just so interesting. Like, I just, I don't know, I just, when I continuously watch this film, like, this is not a flattering movie about men. A man kills his wife. Like, you know, like, a poor, um, uh, like, the, it, it, like, a man kills his wife. Jeffrey's, you know, can be seen to be, you know, quite, um, oh, for lack of a better, like, you, you know, kind of, like, perverted and disgusting and blah, 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 because, like, you know, you can sort of read into that. 
um, even more. You know, the Miss Lonely Hearts is assaulted. Um, and then obviously Jeffries is, <laughs> and like, like we said before, Jeffries is unable to have a real adult relationship with a real adult woman unless, you know, she does everything that he tells her to do and, you know, lives the life that he wants her to live and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's very interesting that um, Hitchcock has created this film because this is not, and, and again, this is a, a film made by a man. Um, and it's and a movie it's, from the 1950s as well, which is yeah, also like... <laughs> like so forward-thinking, you know? so mm. forward-thinking. So it's not so... as if this is, yeah, looking back on history and, and it's not providing a commentary like, you know, 30 years down the track where people have been like, oh, yeah, no, that was pretty awful, the fact mm. that, you know, we expected that. Like this was actually 1954, in the heart of it, he, yeah, he was already he kind made of portraying this, yeah. these things. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's really cool. Mm. And, yeah. and, like, time and time again, I think that's why we are obviously studying this film. But, yeah, mm. it's so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Um, there was yeah. something I read on the internet ages ago, which is why I can't remember now. But it Not was something enough. along the lines of, so I'm going to ruin it. But it's somewhere, <laughs> it this somewhere on the internet. Um, where before, so you know how Thorwald chops up his wife and spreads his wife's body around the city and that's how he disposes delicious. of it. Delicious. Yes, delicious. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> But there's like elements of that, like that's happening to like the other women, like metaphorically, obviously not physically, not literally, like it happened to Mrs. Thorwald, but elements of like how women are kind of already dismembered, like the fact, and I can only think of one example where they used many, um, the fact that, you know, Jeff calls Miss Torso Torso. So just like, it's just like part of her body. Um, yeah and even like yeah, yeah the way um her body's like framed where like we can only see that's like yeah. certain parts of her yeah. bodies at once yeah yeah mm. yeah so, so yeah she, that's meant to like mimic mm. yeah sorry yeah. mimic what happens to miss mrs thorwald mm. yeah yeah mm. that was an interesting thing that so is interesting thought of and it's out there but i can't yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, tell wow. you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i am dead uh yeah it's crazy it's crazy what about you em what did you think Pretty much everything you guys said. So I was going to move along to our next question because it was quite, um, well, it all is, yeah, quite closely linked to what we've just been chatting about. But, yeah, what do you think Hitchcock was actually trying to convey about marriage and gender roles during the 1950s? So for me, in terms of, like, gender roles, um, I Mm. think he was really seeking to show the audience that, like, men and women can share both masculine and feminine traits. And that they shouldn't be stereotyped. So um, something that, like, I really love looking at is how, like, you know, there is that binary of, like, oh, well, that's a masculine trait. Being being a risk taker is masculine. Being um, active and dominant and that sort of stuff is a more masculine trait. Like, I really love looking at the characters and kind of um, trying to look at, like, what traits they have. And it's really interesting to see that they actually all – pretty much all of them have a mix of um, traits that you would consider either – like well both feminine and masculine so Mm. like if we look at lisa for instance so obviously you know on a superficial level very feminine like the way she dresses she's always in like beautiful dresses heels uh she works in fashion is both a a magazine editor and a model as well but then um she does actually also have all of these masculine masculine traits sorry um by being the active one in the relationship. So, you know, obviously Jeff, um, Jeff's in his wheelchair. He can't actually be the one that, like, holds our gaze and moves around the room, that sort of stuff. Mm. It's always Lisa. 
Um, but then on the flip side of that, she's also fulfilling a like a feminine role in being the caretaker of Jeff in some cases. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving moving back to masculine, like she demonstrates these risk taking behaviors by breaking into Thorwood's apartment. She uses logic when it comes to like the handbag and um, jewelry. Yeah, jewelry being left behind by Mrs. Thorwald, which like Doyle um, palms off as like or feminine intuition or whatever. Um, but yeah, like if you if you actually stop and like break down each character, um, yeah, it's really really interesting to see that all of them kind of share traits from both both mm-hmm. binaries. Um, and yeah, so I think his one of his like big kind of goals or messages that he wanted to convey. Um, is that, yeah, traditional gender roles should, yeah, shouldn't be a thing. Mm. Yeah. That's she's very, very forward-thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah again, so really forward-thinking. confident in her sexuality as well. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, stereotypically a masculine trait. Yeah. Um, you know, she's the one that kind of always initiates things with Jeff. Um, mm. She's the one staying over and, you know, and basically she's the one that all this, you know, is – wants to be sexual with Jeff, but Jeff is the one that he's obsessed with what's happening in the neighbours. So she, in that way, has more power. Like, she is confident in what she's doing and has that kind of power in that relationship, which is probably more a stereotypical uh, masculine trait. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the stereotypical feminine thing would be to, to you know, be innocent and that kind of stuff, which, which Lisa is not, and she's unashamedly not that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, t- I totally obviously agree with you guys uh, about the gender roles. I love that point about, you know, masculine traits and feminine traits and stuff like that. Um, I just, yeah, I agree. Like, um, I think it's quite uh, interesting, you know, again, just sorry to repeat my point, but it's also uh, applicable to this question, um, is that obviously, you know, this is not, you know, a flattering film about men. Um, again, like, you know, a man kills his wife, um, all that sort of stuff. Jeff, I just always come back to the fact that Jeff uh, is seemingly unable to have an adult relationship with this, you know, beautiful, beautiful woman. Um, and he's always like, oh, no, you should, you should do what I say and, and you do this and you do that and yada, yada, yada. Um, and obviously that's extremely problematic. Um, and, yeah, that's all I really actually had for that sort of question. I apologise, guys. I don't have anything more interesting. Mm. Disappointing. But anyway, <laughs> I think I yeah, I think um, in, in terms of marriage, I don't think the movie presents a very positive view on marriage, but perhaps mm. a positive view on relationships and human connection. So you know, the people who are happy at the beginning, the newlyweds end up quite unhappy and they're bickering and nagging, you know, fighting. And mm. But the people at the end, you know, Miss Lonely Hearts and, and the musician form a connection. And, it, and in that way we get this kind of lovely Hollywood ending, like, you know, mm. the people end up together and or like Lisa and Jeff some, somehow have figured it out and they end up together. Um, and, but we don't, we don't see, you know, anything to do with marriage but mm. we see perhaps a closer connection and closer bond between the two, you know, a mutual recognition of each other and acceptance. Mm. Thoughts? I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. So good. Yeah, I feel like, um, I don't know, it could be wrong here. I feel like um, potentially he could have, like, Hitchcock could have been trying to kind of show that, like, because, again, thinking this actually is from the 1950s, um, he could have been trying to show that, like, yeah, um, 
marriage can produce like undesirable consequences I suppose that like it's not actually going to be um you know the the be all and end all it's not going to be the best Mm. thing that is going to happen in your life you're not going to have like you know won at life by getting married that sort of thing Mm. um yeah it's not something to strive for yeah yeah that it can be something that isn't isn't good it can result in you getting murdered yeah or it's not yeah yeah like it's like being married is not the pinnacle of happiness like yeah yeah because you can see how some of the marriages in the movie end up so you know we see unhappiness in some marriages Mm -hmm. um so yeah I guess it's not the end of the yeah of your happiness journey like marriage isn't going to as em said the be all and end all of the happiness and you're going to be and life's going to be wonderful after you're happy after you're Mm -hmm. married sorry Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I guess that's also reflected in um I guess that's also reflected in Miss Lonely Hearts. It's like at the end she is happy because she's, yeah, developed a connection with the musician. It's not not that, yep, she's, like, married to him, doesn't even show that, like, you know, it's a romantic relationship necessarily. Mm. It just shows a, a friendship. So, yeah. Mm. Didn't even think about that. That was mm. so smart. <laughs> Dang. We know. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? All right. Um, there, I remembered – so. Uh, if you are a long-time fan of the program, <laughs> you will <laughs> you will be aware that we uh, usually do like a bit of a game as our end segment. Um, I had forgotten – well, we didn't have one planned and I had an idea that I forgot over the last couple of weeks. But I've remembered what it is, so I'm going to be putting uh, Sean and Prue on the spot here. But okay, fine. Oh have we have we not done the last question? Well, that we is going to be the game. So oh, okay, because yep. I was like, oh, I wanted to say something. Oh my god. <laughs> well, oh, hopefully good. you oh, still good. can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, love, um, love it. All right. So basically, the game we're going to play, guys, is I'm going to name a symbol from the film, yes. and <laughs> you are going to buzz in using your name. Yeah. And um. Yeah, you need to explain what it is symbolic of to earn a point. <gasps> Love it. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, okay. good. Game, <laughs> we can, we, game on, we can edit this game out on. and just, you know, do a, the question if you want. But... No, 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 it's fine. No, no, no. All right. No, I okay. love it. Love it. Hit me. Hit me. Alrighty. Yeah. Symbol number one is Jeff's camera lens. Oh. Uh, <laughs> do I have to Sean. say my name? Sean, is, okay. Sean buzzed in first. Excellent. Okay. Um, Jeff, you're welcome, Prue. Um, I don't want to say this one anyway. Why? <laughs> Emily knows. Anyway, keep I going, know, Jeff. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. <laughs> I hate you all. Um, okay, so obviously there's two readings that you can get into this. I'm obviously only going to talk about Just one. Just remember they're school-age children. Yes, this is school-age children <laughs> I'm going to work with. Um, they are so- like 18-year-old children or 17, but okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've always taught the camera um, as a, or like the camera lens, whatever you want to say, um, is basically, uh, it's, I think it's representative of three things. Obviously the first thing is the camera is representative of Jeffrey's um, and uh, like his point of view um, and like what he is obviously looking, looking at and, f- and feeling. Um, I think it also uh it's I think doing some further reading into it um the length of the camera lens as well when we think about that I think is also symbolic of the emotional um Pru are you right are you just gonna giggle yeah. all the way through this um is I'll symbolic- t- I'll go on mute. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you better. Um, is obviously symbolic, uh, uh, symbolic. Sorry, of the um, like the distance or like the emotional distance that he puts um between himself and Lisa. So again, Ooh, sort of feeding. I like that. Yes, girl. Mm. Um, so feeding into that, um, you know, the fact that uh, you know, Prue's point about you know the lighting and you know, oh, you know, uh, Lisa's shown like a horror film, and you know, he's scared. He's almost afraid of Lisa and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, that emotional distance. Um, and then obviously when we think of, like very literally, it's also symbolic of like the um, like the the viewer and what they're looking at as well because obviously we do look, look you know, look through the lens at some points in the film. So it enables sort of our voyeuristic tendencies. Very solid answer, Sean. I was looking, you know, <laughs> oh, I, I like it. if I'd answered this one, I would have just been like voyeurism. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, well, I, feel like... I don't do things by halves. So <laughs> I don't know. Part of me wants to give you like a bonus point for giving. Can I get? Yeah, can I get double points or uh, even triple? Because I said there was three symbols. You did. you did, but then that'll really throw out the scoring for the rest of the round. So we'll leave it at one. Oh man! Good job, though. You Thanks. yeah. Again, have my well have my praise, and that's worth more yes. than points. My, okay. my, I need my, I need your approval. Yeah. But Emily, do you want to go through the secret um, fourth answer? Yeah, yeah, Emily. Yeah, me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll just touch on it really briefly. Um, yeah, really but yeah, different. it's so another reading of the, um, yeah, the camera lens is that it is symbolic of, well, it's like a, f- a phallic symbol, and it's like, um, yeah, symbolic of like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's symbolic of um, Jeff's, like you know, fragile masculinity and that sort of thing. I think is that yeah. right? Yeah, 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 cool. yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. <laughs> now <laughs> it's really awkward. On. Moving, <laughs> moving on. on. <laughs> okay. Uh, symbol number two. Don't forget to buzz in using your name. Yeah, Prue. <laughs> symbol number two <laughs> is the wedding ring. A really tough oh, one, guys. Oh, Damn it. I so that just swear. symbolizes marriage. Shock. I know you want to that. <laughs> but, but um, also, yeah. <laughs> also, um, like Lisa's um, want to get married. So yeah. she, when she, she puts it on, when she shows Jeff that, you know, she finds the wedding ring in um, Mrs. Thorold's bag, she puts it on her left um ring finger so mm. it's symbolizing it's symbolizing you know lisa what lisa wants in this relationship what's her you know goal yeah yeah her values yeah good answer nice and succinct all right uh n- symbol number three is this Lisa's- like the type oh <laughs> do, do you want me to say it or are you going to No, interrupt? no, no. Sorry. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, go. <laughs> so, symbol number three, Lisa's costuming. Sean. Yes. Haha, <laughs> 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 Um, Lisa's costuming, so isn't that like a symbolic of uh, like her power as a woman and like her femininity? And also, I just want to have a quick, quick sidebar um her clothes are also representative of um uh like her you remember when she brings over her this is very long and drawn out um she brings over her like 
silky her nightgown or whatever nightgown mm-hmm. and night clothes or whatever mm-hmm. um so i think that's also like a, a symbol of like i don't even know like a, a sexual relationship um between jeff and lisa um because it obviously like the fact that it's like you know all silky and sexy and like it's a symbol of like the fact that she like plans to get busy that night and then like that's <laughs> Just, just stay with me. Um, just so then- I'm giggly. I'm just giggling. <laughs> um, and then that's why Doyle, I think, questions it as well, Detective Doyle. Um, mm. So, yes, it's all a symbol of, like, her, you know, sexual power and her femininity and, her, yeah, all that. Say I'm right. Say it. You are right. Do, Yay! Prue, do you have anything you want to add, though? She's gone. Prue? Prue? Is she gone? No. Yeah. I was just going to gone i was gonna say um a little side note you know how when like doyle says to jeff have you told the what's landlord landlord who Mm. stays in your apartment and i'm like why would he need to so like what are those rules i don't get it you know because i think it's the 1950 well obviously it's the 1950s yeah um the 1950s so loose tonight um I think it's like because obviously back in those days, if they are not married, they should not be sleeping in the same room. So I think I think genuinely those are rules. I don't think it's a law, but I think it's frowned upon. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um Am something I the else? You are you something need... else I was also yes. wanting to add. Um, Declare me the winner. You only talked about one costume. Oh, no, I talked sorry, about two, more, actually. There's more symbols just before we moved on to the next. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't, sorry. There's like two God more. God damn it. Um, also, <laughs> I feel like her clothing or her costuming, sorry, is also symbolic of her change in character. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, that's yes. what yes. I would have said. Anyway. Yes. Well, you did, <laughs> did you prove? Don't <laughs> 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 at me, Em. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listening to uh, that's okay. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh symbol number four. We've got two left, so it's anyone's game, although yeah, Sean is it, we're on three one so far. No, it's two one. Game. It's anyone's two, one, game. Sorry. Two, two, one. It's also Sean's game. Sean. No, I stuffed up and I gave Sean an extra point for some reason, but it's gone. It's two one. All right. <laughs> Um, my god yeah. okay I everyone's probably getting really bored um, <laughs> yeah. if they're still with us no, um, they're not <laughs> they checked out like half an hour ago mate. Yeah. <laughs> they listened to the first minute yeah. <laughs> and they were like these guys again hello god. to our Romanian listener <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway alright so symbol number four guys Jeffrey's broken leg proof Proof. Are you talking about his cast or his broken yes, legs? Yeah. Well, yeah, you can talk about either or both. All right, I'm going to talk about his cast. Um, God. And... <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about specifically what's on his cast, which is the epi- mm. epitaph. Epitaph? Is that right? Epitaph? Yeah. In- in- inscription, maybe? Isn't an epitaph what's on a grave? Yeah, because it says here oh, lies the broken yeah. bones. Yeah. So it's mimicking an epita- epitaph? I don't know. Okay, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, okay, yeah, I'll give that to you. Okay, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think that represents his um, really morbid kind of and dark sense of humour um, and also his kind of, um, he, I think he's really cynical and a really negative kind of person. He has a lot of ne- negative kind of cynical views and distrustful views of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously he's like, you know, after six weeks of isolation, a lot of us can probably almost sympathise or empathise with Jeff of how kind of stir-crazy you can um go if you are locked in your house for six weeks um but I think he's kind of I guess he kind of resents what's happening to him because he's now immobilized um but he does I think the epitaph represents his his dark sense of humor or his morbid kind of curiosity good answer Sean do you want to add anything I do. Um, obviously, I think it also represents, like, yeah, the fact that his uh, uh, independence is dead. Mm, I don't yeah. know. That was my reading of it. But yes, yes. Yeah. All good. All right. Well, we're on <clears throat> to all. So this is it for the, is, the glory of. Um, <laughs> this is a joke. <laughs> it's anyone's game. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Symbol <laughs> number five, the final symbol of this segment. Uh huh. The temperature. Oh, Sean. Sean, yes. Yes. Okay, this was actually <laughs> yes. Um, this is something. This is I'm the happy. first. <laughs> I'm happy oh man. Um, this was the first um symbol that I uh actually um this was the first symbol that I thought of when I thought yeah. about the film, which is really really interesting because the very first thing I noticed was obviously oh the temperature temperature gaze. Is re- gauge is really really high um, when we obviously are first introduced into the film, and then on at the end, um, as it's panning away, um, it's obviously very low. So I think personally that the temperature gauge at you know the beginning and the end of the film, um, in its entirety, is is symbolic of um, like the uh, climbing action, the right like the rising action, and then like the climax of the film, and then obviously the resolution of the film. Um, I also think it's like very much uh, like, you know, a high temperature, temperatures running high, um, tensions running high. So like, um, you know, obviously at the beginning of the of the film, you know, your tensions are running extremely high um, because of everything that's happening. And then, you know, obviously at the end of the film, everything sort of got its resolution. So that's how I sort of read it. That's, yeah, Mm. my idea of that symbol. I think, yeah, temperature running highs, high equals tensions running high like there's mm-hmm. lots of tension in the air um and i think mm-hmm. that's symbolized through the temperature i don't know yeah 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 no great yeah. answer Spot on. yay so with that me of, declare um, me the winner <laughs> cool um i was gonna say can i just add on to that real quickly mm-hmm. um because if people are here now they're probably gonna listen to the rest of it um, <laughs> it reminds me of 12 Angry Men, you know how the mm, temperature gets. Oh my gets gosh. Yes. yes. Love that movie. And um, yes. Yeah. It's so yeah. Good. And like people become more disgruntled and more frustrated mm. and more uncomfortable. So I feel yeah. like Hitchcock wants us, like, because it's really hot at the start and we can see the couple, you know, sleeping out on the balcony. And it, I feel like he just wants to paint this, like, kind of like really like uncomfortable kind of um feeling or like initially straight away because we all know how like gross you can feel and like just kind of a bit angry and a bit like ugh um Mm. when it's too hot and you just can't do anything and like you can't get cool and like you can't relax and that kind of stuff yeah Mm, yeah I like that a lot yeah Mm. me too 
Yeah, love it. Mm. All right, Emily, it's time for you to declare me the winner. I I declare Sean the winner. Yeah! (laughs) I won! Come on. <laughs> She's going to be talking yeah. about that for the next six weeks. You're all welcome. <laughs> Yay. Um, so glad we're yeah. back on site to hear about it. <laughs> and you guys pretty much sit next to me. So, yeah. <laughs> nah, nice. Nice. Cool. Um, can I just say, I don't know, one more thing before we, I, I know this is a very long episode. Um, can I just say one more thing that I think is interesting about Alfred Hitchcock? Um, the director and what like he's kind no. of symbolized. Oh, Prue. Um, Look, I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so I did some further reading into um, Rear Window, obviously a couple of weeks ago now. Um, but uh, so did you guys know that Alfred Hitchcock always puts himself into the movies? Yeah, he's the yeah. little clock the clock he's guy. The, yeah. He's the clock yeah, guy, the clock yeah. Guy. So yeah. Um, the clock I, guy, right there. The, that's an yeah. official term for it. Yeah, the official <laughs> term. The official term. No, no, no. I'm just thinking about this, you know, in terms of maybe some students who are somehow still listening to us. Um yeah. so it's really interesting. We could say they, whatever we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um that he he's, you know, repairing this clock. Um, and this could be something that they could put into their introductions because obviously you can't really discuss this in your evidence or anything like that because that's dumb. Oh, you kind of could with author's intention. Anyway, moving on. Um, so I th- thought it was very interesting that he is repairing the clock because I, I think that that's symbolic of the fact that, and this kind of goes into my point about, you know, rising the curtains, the curtains rising up and you're like, oh, who's rising the curtains? Like, um, Jeffries can't do that, then it must be Hitchcock. Um, so I think it, uh, with him talking about, uh, with him repairing the, the clock, he's, he's basically saying, like, I'm here, I'm controlling the time, the pace, I'm controlling the story. And he's basically, and then um, when you look back, because I couldn't remember this part of the film when you, um, when this, I Googled this, um, I've rewatched part of the film, and then he's actually glaring um, at, um, uh, around the camera in our direction. What? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not joking. And this is like a challenge to us for us. Like when he's like glaring, when somebody's angrily glaring, um, you know, around the camera, he's not staring directly into it. He's staring sort of around it. He's kind of saying, I th- I always thought he was saying like, oh, you know, you need to pay attention to 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 me. You need to pay attention to this film and what this film is about and what I'm saying in this film. Um, you know, this is about, you know, a man watching other people and, and, you know, you might find this wrong or you might find this right, but what are you doing? Like you've come to watch a film pretty much in the same way. And I just find that like really, really interesting. When I rewatched that scene, I was shook because I was like, holy shit. Like I was like, ah, he's like, he's almost looking at us. I'm going to look up that scene on YouTube after you yeah, finish. Yeah. 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 He's like, yeah, sort of glaring angrily in our direction kind of like in a Thorwald way mm. yes or, yes yes Ooh, yeah creepy. it's very interesting anyway so yeah that was my last thing because I thought that was quite symbolic as well and students could um uh discuss that in their introduction as well um to mm. introduce I think that would be a really interesting way to introduce the essay mm. shows um like a good <laughs> knowledge of the text from that yeah. yeah 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 and like then you it. could yeah basically attribute all of our all of your marks to us that this yeah. is the yeah. podcast no mm. just joking <laughs> just yep. reference us referencing yeah. other people yeah 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 yeah, cool. yeah watch, watch that watch that um video it, it yeah it's crazy i when i watched it i was like oh my god 
Yeah, no, it sounds it. I because I remember his cameo, but not like yeah, not anything yeah. specific about it. Just that he's you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so cool. Anyway, sorry, that's mm. all I had to say. <laughs> cool. Well, I guess that yeah, that's it for this is lit. That rhymed. <laughs> yep. You're a poet. Um, you didn't even know it. I feel like I'm really bad at ending these. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening, guys, if you're still with us. Um, hopefully, yeah, you got something out of that. Hopefully, you, if you are someone who is, um, yeah, doing an exam within the next couple of weeks, you are, yeah, feeling all good about that. And hopefully this has helped you uh, feel a little bit more prepared. So good luck. Thanks again for listening. And we may see you again or we may speak to you again in the future. Woo! Bye. Yeah. See you. Bye. Yeah. All right. Good cool. luck, guys. Bye. Good luck. Bye. Bye. Bye.